This week, Mark and Shannon discuss everything from the president, political parties, medical care, vaccinations, and more. Let's join Mark now as he dives right into discussing the proper usage of masks. And you know what someone should do is get with Dr. Fauci and ask him, since he seems to be the resident expert, what mask is the correct one? Is it the cloth one that he wears that has the little symbol of the baseball team on it or hockey team, whatever that is? Or is it one that OSHA has recommended we wear? Is that Fed OSHA or Cal OSHA? So until somebody defines which mask we're supposed to wear, I have a hard time with the whole process. Yeah, that's definitely something that I have a hard time with too, is you have OSHA standards, they tell you which mask can be used for which thing that you're doing, including painting, fumes, gas fumes, any other type of particles in the air. And yet here I'm supposed to believe that I can wear some thin cloth, you know, mask with a sports team on there, and that's going to protect me. What's interesting, this COVID thing's ramping up again, supposedly. It's the, about the 10th variant, I think, that's happening right now. Hawaii's trying to slow down tourism because they're saying that COVID is on the move again there, and their hospitals are full, yet they're not asking to shut anything down again. They're not asking for more hospital space. You know, they haven't asked for the comfort hospital ship to show up. I actually made a comment on a Facebook post a couple days ago that I love the island of Hawaii so much and the people that if it were me and it was that serious, I'd take that old battleship and I would wash it, clean it, and I'd convert it into an ER room to take on COVID patients. Are you talking about the USS Missouri? Absolutely. So that is an interesting point of note. With Hawaii, you have individuals who did not want tourism anyway, but then that's where they get a lot of their money from. That's where a lot of the jobs are, and they allow tourism. They define what they want, fully vaccinated or tested or however they want their visitors to come. And yet now we're being told that people who are fully vaccinated have a higher viral load than people who are unvaccinated getting the same sickness and are more likely to pass it on without symptoms, so unknowingly passing it on to either Native Hawaiians or anywhere along their travel route to other people. So how is this helping if people who are vaccinated are allowed to go stay without a mask or travel freely and get others sick? How is that being allowed? I am unsure about this whole process, but I'm sure through our data over time, we're going to figure out who, what, where, when, why, and how. Yeah, if you look at Israel, they are uh, running up against being the most vaccinated place for quite some time, and yet now they have the largest hotspot currently. So the most vaccinated place becoming the largest hotspot. They are triple vaccinated. They've done booster shots. They require that you have uh, every six months you get a booster shot, so they're considered triple vaccinated by this time. And they are spiking. The vast majority of people who are in the hospital in Israel, 85 to 90%, are for fully vaccinated individuals. That is incredible. 
So I do want to bring up the infrastructure bill. The last time Mark and I talked, I had stated that the infrastructure bill had been passed in the House. I stand corrected. It was passed in the Senate. There were some Republicans that came over to the Democrat side and they passed the bill, but they're still going through the reconciliation process. It hasn't fully passed and become law yet. So there is a chance that different components will be dropped along the way. So I would like to talk about a Facebook post that I read this morning while I was eating my breakfast. And somebody had posted talking about Afghanistan, Joe Biden, China, and lithium batteries for Elon Musk's bars. And I'm still waiting for the verification from this, but apparently there is a company in China called Contemporary Amperex Technologies Company, LTD, that is the largest producer of lithium-ion batteries for electric cars. And along with that is the Bidens, who conveniently own 10%, a 10% stake in said company. And somebody's putting the numbers together and the trail showing that one of the reasons that he was hell-bent on getting them out of Afghanistan was so China could roll into Afghanistan because they have a very large lithium mine there, take over the lithium mine, produce lithium batteries, and the Bidens will get even richer because that company has increased their stocks at least four times in the last year. Oh, how convenient. Another uh, Biden connection to a foreign country, foreign ownership, and the look that uh, millions of dollars are likely to come their way. Once we actually confirm that this is in fact true, I'll actually read the article to you at the next uh, podcast. I would like to jump back for a minute on uh, masking. Let's go back and talk about wearing masks. We've started this issue in the United States where people who wear masks are getting in the face of people who don't wear masks, yelling at them, screaming at them, calling them all kinds of names, and we see it in the reverse. People who are not wearing masks, who think that everybody else should not wear masks too, are yelling, screaming, and getting in people's faces. And I find it a really interesting situation where both sides are getting into the face of the other side and screaming, yelling, passing their particulates along, mask or no mask. But you look at people saying things like wearing a mask is a common courtesy. Well, if we look in our our little history, people didn't have common courtesy before. They would send their kids to school sick. People speed. If you speed and you are telling others to wear a mask, you're a hypocrite. You are putting other people in danger so you can get somewhere a few minutes faster. So if you want people to have the common courtesy of wearing a mask for you, but you won't quit speeding for them, you're a hypocrite. If you go to work and you're sick, you're asking others to wear a mask, you're a hypocrite. You should be isolating and staying home. So if you go to work sick, send your kids to school sick, you are part of the problem. Again, I say, which mask do you wear? So I've also heard people say, if you're unvaccinated, don't wear a mask, you're unvaccinated, you should not be allowed to have medical care. We've gotten to that point where different people with their nice blue check mark are saying that uh, medical care should not be provided to anyone who is unvaccinated. And all of those people who are vaccinated, they can have all the medical care that they need. But if you like dive into that, shouldn't we also ban people who don't wear seatbelts and get in car accidents from having medical care? Should we also ban people who eat unhealthy foods from having medical care? You made yourself obese. We have a large obesity problem in the United States unaddressed. And we say, oh, you know what? You can have all the medical care that you want. But if I've kept myself healthy and I eat well, I exercise, 
Shouldn't the doctor's appointments be available for me, the person who tried to stay healthy, than the person who doesn't try to stay healthy? Shouldn't they just be banished and whatever ailments come their way, too bad, so sad, that's your fault? Obesity is talked about and followed, and it is handled by corporations like McDonald's, Burger King, Jack in the Box, Taco Bell, Del Taco. Because a lot of these large corporations are in the pockets of these congressmen and vice versa. So they love the fat population, unfortunately, because it keeps them living in the Hamptons and in Laguna Beach and all these nice fancy places across America to live. So we have a risk in society. We could get sick. Being a part of the society, we could get injured just in living an everyday life. You could uh, slip and fall down a set of stairs, break your foot. You could be driving along, going the speed limit, and you could get into a car accident because there is some risk involved in just about any activity that we do in life. But what about people who take extra risks? What about those who jump out of an airplane? Should we say that if anything happens to you in your life, you're too much of a risk taker, we're not going to provide you with any sort of care? That's your own deal. So anyone who speeds excessively, doesn't wear a seatbelt, jumps out of airplanes, parachutes, paraglides, uh, scuba dives below 100 feet, let's say, and you start getting into different uh, pressures and what mixtures that you have to have in your scuba tank, should everyone who takes a risk be banned from any medical care? That's interesting that you bring scuba diving up because your mother and I are both divers. And we swapped insurance companies a few years ago and that was actually one of the questions. How deep do you dive? And if you went to the recreational depth, which is 100 feet basically, um, we could have one policy. If we went deeper than that, we have another policy that we'll have to sell you. However, what they didn't realize and the agent didn't realize is that anytime you go below the surface, anything can happen. So it's actually almost as dangerous going down 30 feet as it is going down 100 feet. Yes, you might want to change your gas mixtures, go with a nitrox mix or some, or some other mix. However, as long as you stay within the safe recreational limits, great sport. So if you look at all the different ways we can take risks, you go into the ocean, you're surfing, you're bodyboarding, you could get a shark attack. Is that enough of a risk that we say, well, you got bit by a shark, you're losing your arm or your leg, that's fine. As long as you don't bleed out, you can cinch it off yourself and get home because you took a risk going out. Is that the type of society we are in now where we say you take a risk? Too bad. It seems to be because that was the great thing about America and it always has been and hopefully will, will always be is all the risk takers. Other countries, they have no idea the things that we can do because they don't see it because their borders are closed. And if somebody wants to take a risk, that's the great thing about America. You take the risk, you hurt yourself, you lose your life. So be it. It's on you. That's what happens. That's risk taking. If we turn into a quasi-communist society where the government's going to dictate to us 100%, what's going to happen is what's happening right now is we're being fractured into little sects. And it's almost like being over in Iran or Iraq where you have all these tribes where everybody hates everybody. Absolutely. So now we are being taught to hate on people. I hate the maskers. I hate the anti-maskers. I hate the vaxxers. I hate the anti-vaxxers. We are being taught to look at the other side, just like we do with Democrat and Republican, hate the D, hate the R. We're just being taught to hate. And if you look at Joe Biden and his speeches that he gave, 
on the withdrawal of Afghanistan, where he shifted blame. We talked about that in a previous podcast. And you look at his message yesterday evening when talking about uh, the problem with anti-vaxxers. So we're just going to have to force them to take the vaccine by mandating that all companies over 100 you know, do vaccines and pass on the cost to the employees, all of this stuff. He spoke more ill of people who are unvaccinated than he did of the Taliban. He spoke better of the Taliban, an actual terrorist organization. He didn't have too many unkind words for them, but man, people who are uncertain about a health situation and they want more information, those so-called anti-vaxxers, they're the worst people in the world. Well, and you'd like to blame that on his dementia or his cognitive reasoning or whatever the heck he's got going on. However, some folks have said if you look back at his history over the last 40 years of being in Congress, the Senate, and Vice Presidency, this is Joe Biden. This is exactly the way he has been his entire career. Well, I would have to go back before his brain aneurysms that he had fixed in the 80s, and I'd like to see if there was a difference pre aneurysms and post aneurysms but mind you he had the aneurysms in the 1980s so he's been like this for many years but one interesting point that i've been seeing around different media joints is the fact that joe biden eats ice cream is known for his ice cream is known to go places and get ice cream on his stops along the way he routinely gets ice cream and that is a sign of care for dementia patients well that's interesting i didn't know that yeah (laughs) it is very interesting ice cream is supposed to like bring happy thoughts to the brain and level them out so i wonder if it takes you back to your childhood <laughs> Takes your mind back 50 years if you're in your 70s or 60 years, whatever the case may be. I don't if know. You're 78 years old? I, I don't know what's wrong with that man, but I do know I just drove by a gas station and I will not say the brand name because I don't shop there. But the price of gas, the premium is $4.80 a gallon. I run a diesel pickup. The price for diesel right now is $4.30 per gallon. Last year at this time, I think when I was down in SoCal doing some boating, I was paying $2 a gallon for diesel fuel for my boat because it's a special type of uh, red diag diesel. And I was paying a little bit more than that for my pickup. So this has gotten ridiculous what the people that voted for this group has done to this country in just seven months and being a 59 year old man or 58 and some change getting a little tired of every four years we have an r in there all the prices drop food prices go down housing goes down your wages go up your taxes go down and we live fat and happy for four to eight years then the other group takes over that has a d attached to their name food goes up fuel goes up housing goes up taxes go up and the people that voted them in complain about it but they won't do anything about it they keep voting the same people in do what you've always done you're going to get what you've always got history is doomed to repeat itself and i've been watching it for i don't know how many election cycles now And it's crazy. It makes me want to pack my bags, become an expat, and try to figure out another place in this world that I can live where they're not going to be in my back pocket opening my wallet and stealing my change um, at every turn. But you look around and almost all countries 
are just as bad as we are, if not worse. That rolls me into a question that my wife and I talk about all the time, and I ask her, and I'm going to ask you, podcast world, and the person sitting next to me, is this the greatest country in the world, or is it just better than most? So I used to think that this was the greatest country in the world, but over time, I've started to realize that we are just the same as other corrupt countries that we claim to be against. We are moving in a direction that is closer to communism than we have been. Uh, I know in this, uh, you, we had the McCarthy era, and so there's been other talks of socialism and communism and what's what and who's who, and we don't want to have that here. But I feel like we just keep fighting the same fights. And we end up in a position where we're being sold the same lie over and over again and still focusing on that lie. We don't even notice that the people at the top, the Gavin Newsom's, Aunt Nancy, all of those people are the same people who have been running our country for years. Kennedy after Kennedy after Kennedy runs for some office. We have governors that end up, same thing, they're well known in their either their home state or a certain area and they're expected to follow in their parents' footsteps and be the same leader that we've had before. So are we the greatest country? Eh, we're kind of corrupt. So I, I wouldn't put it at the greatest anymore. Amen. I second that. I would like to talk, going back on the subject of R and D, independent, whoever you are. I have been a registered Republican my entire adult life. Every time I registered, if I moved to a new place, I registered Republican, kept my registration. I had to reconfirm a registration in Orange County because somehow I got dropped from the voter rolls less than a year after having registered, so I registered again. But in the 2020 election, and for that cycle, I actually registered as an independent. It was the first time I had registered as anything but a Republican. And I was looking for something different. I will say that I was not a big fan of Trump because of his, pers uh, it's kind of a personality issue for me, who he is personally. I looked at all of the things and I said, I don't know that I want that man to still be running our country. It's not to say he didn't do some good things. I know I'm going to take a hit from my friends who are, are uh, ultra Trump supporters. But when I was looking at the 2020 election cycle, I listened to every Democrat debate, independents. I was looking them up. I was researching them. And I was determined to look at it through a new lens, not an R lens, not a D lens. Just I wanted to see what people were talking about and, and what they were willing to do. So in the state of California, and I'm not sure if this is true across all 50 states, if you are a registered independent, you can also vote in the Democrat primary. The Republicans require that you be a Republican, uh, registered Republican in order to vote in the Republican primary. So as a registered independent, my, my primary ticket was full of independents and Democrats. And so I did my, my vote. It was the first time, again, I voted actually for Democrat in the primary. And as I was watching the buildup of the Democrat candidates, Pete Buttigieg was coming out stronger than people expected. Basically, everybody but Joe Biden was coming out a lot stronger than expected. So what did the Democrats do? They circled their wagons and they had every single person who was running against Joe Biden drop. He wasn't winning any of the primaries, you know, for the most part. And they circled the wagons for Joe Biden. All of a sudden, all of these Democrats that are leading 
are dropping like flies. And in fact, Pete Buttigieg dropped out right before the California primary date. But if you had already sent in your vote by mail, you could have picked him. And yet here we were being used again. The Democrats circled the wagon, said everybody will drop but Joe Biden. He's going to get our nomination period. And that is exactly what happened. We had the opportunity for change and different people to come forward who were not the well-established Democrats. I mean, Pete Buttigieg was, I think, a 37, 38-year-old who had been the mayor in Ohio. And yet, you know, they were like, nope, bat all these people out of the way. We're only going Joe Biden. The oldest, whitest person was now the nominee of the party that claimed to be against the old white men. Interesting. Just sitting here listening to you talk, I just had a... An epiphany. And I have not heard anybody on any social outlet ask this question. So what are we going to do during the next election cycle if we're told you can't vote if you're not vaccinated? Yeah, well, considering we're not allowed to go into public spaces, you, in Hawaii, they are saying if you're unvaccinated, you can't even go into a grocery store. You have to get tested. You have to have a COVID test. It's unclear if it has to be a public COVID test or one of the ones you can get from CVS. And you have to test negative within 72 hours before going out to a grocery store. We're not allowing people to eat. California's talked about this too, that everywhere but grocery stores and I think doctor's offices will be off limits to people who are unvaccinated. You look at that, one of the things that has hit other people harder on the vaccine issue, or not the vaccine issue, the COVID issue, is being overweight. People who are overweight tend to fare worse than people who have healthier bodies. Is that 100% true? No, because I do know a young, healthy person who is on a ventilator now. I don't know his vaccine status. It turns out that blood type also plays a role, and that's just a roll of the dice, what blood type you have. So not everything in life can be planned for. Very true, and talking about going to grocery stores and having to be tested 72 hours prior and wearing a mask and all that, yet you they want you to stay home possibly and let an Uber deliver your food or let somebody at a box store like Walmart pick all your groceries out for you and you have no idea not only if they've been tested for COVID if they're wearing a mask if they're wearing a gloves what are their living conditions at home do they take a bath on a regular basis do they brush their teeth do they have hygiene do they get regular inoculations for other diseases what kind of human are they we're putting our life in other people's hands in the name of a vaccine and then if you look at the grocery delivery companies or, or the ubers eats and things like that that are delivering the groceries and not only do you not know what their status is presumably if they're the ones working they are either getting tested weekly or they are vaccinated presumably but they could still pass covid onto the unvaccinated which has been shown over and over again that vaccinated people are passing covid19 whatever mutation we're on now along to others yep it's like they were talking about with the people that had natural immunities and carriers that now they're vaccinating people that are doing the same thing but in reverse they're giving people covid which is which is crazy so i have a question see i'm a simple guy so i always have simple questions go to the let's go to the vaccine not the vaccine but let's go to wuhan let's go to fauci let's go to this gain of function and how they take one protein and they play around with say bat poop bat snot whatever it is and they're able to create a super virus that's transmittable from 
animal or from bat to human. Are they also able to program into that certain folks' DNA? That would be a really interesting... So it takes out a certain ethnic group or it takes out a certain level of people. And I understand that people that have current respiratory issues or have health issues, they're usually able to get through like a common flu or not a common flu, a flu or other diseases that from what I understand could be far more potent than this COVID. If you look at all of the the individuals who have gotten the flu or gotten sick, I will say I got uh, sick with the flu. This is pre-pandemic with the flu and it was pretty bad. I had a hard time recovering and I, I got so bad that I was finally told by my husband to go to the urgent clinic and have them check me out. They said that if I had waited 24 hours longer, I would have had a bad outcome. That was me not wanting to go to a clinic. Oh, it's just a flu. You know, I'll be fine. But I was so entirely dehydrated. I was about to have severe issues. And so one lesson that I learned was going to the doctor sooner. Like I was having a really bad bout with the flu. Other people could get over it really quickly and I was just going down. So that's another thing to think about is what sickness have people died? from because they didn't want to go to the doctor. They were being scared into going to a doctor. You hear all these people dying at home. They had fear put into them. Oh, don't go to the hospital. You'll you'll get COVID. It's running rampant. Like you walk through the doorway and it's, it's going to be all over you and you're going to get it right away. We've been so scared of one particular thing. We've let everything else go. Now we can't die of the flu. Now we don't die of heart disease. I have not heard of one grandparent or great-grandparent that died just from, unfortunately, their age. I mean, we all die of something, but it's all COVID. People don't die of old age anymore. People don't die of all these diseases that we've had around for years, only COVID. Yeah, so one of my coworkers, his uncle, two weeks ago, has COPD. So somebody at a clinic talked him into getting the COVID shot, the very first one, and guess what happened to him? He died because he had an underlying ailment and it's a respiratory issue that took him out. Just, mm-hmm. just sad. Even individuals who medically have been told do not get the COVID shot. So for instance, one of the band members of Offspring, he has Julian Barr's disease and the COVID shot is known to actually cause that as well. So if you haven't had it before, you can get it, or if you have it, it can cause you to go into a cycle and flare up, and it, it apparently this individual has had it really bad, and his doctor warned him against getting the COVID shot because he ran the risk of inflaming it, and it was going to be very bad because the last time was pretty significant for him, and each time gets subsequently worse. He's now out of the band and not allowed to travel because he refuses to get a COVID shot. Medically, he should not get it. His doctor told him not to. And we just look at someone like that, get it anyway, take your chances. It's better if you die than if, you know. We'd rather you die than yeah. infect somebody else. Yeah, so. we would rather you die. And that is not an uncommon theme that I have heard. Well, it's good for me if you get the shot, even if you're likely to react to it. It's still good for me. Take the risk. I don't care if you die. I don't have to live your life. I don't have to live the life with your family. I don't have to worry about any of that. It doesn't affect my world, but I'm still telling you it's better for me if you take a death risk. It's the way most corporations think of you, just an employee number. And when you check out or leave, they just get rid of your employee number. So let's change gears. I want to talk something local here. Let's talk about a local school district, which we have, I believe, three of them here in Fresno where we live, which would be Fresno Unified. Central Unified, and Clovis Unified. So I have 
grandkids that go to Clovis Unified, and then I have grandkids that are in private school. So let's talk about sports, a kid's ability to do his schoolwork and have the aptitude to keep a GPA high enough to play sports at a local district. I just want to know how you feel about grades and if, say, football is the only thing that's going to propel this kid further in his life or just help him have fun as a child, would you keep him out of sports, him or her, if their GPA was not there? Would you lower the standard just for them or for others? Or how would you approach it? Well, for me personally, I would look at the factors that assist my child and try to promote those factors. So if football is making the difference in my child's life, I would try to find ways for them to participate in the sport that seems to keep them going. Okay, well, I know I have to do better in school. If in order to play football, I want to play football. So how can I continue to promote the educational opportunities? School is supposed to be about education is not supposed to be about sports now sports are one extracurriculars but they also keep kids uh, healthy because it promotes exercise so we don't want to have unhealthy kids doing nothing so it's a promotion of exercise but you look at it and I could also understand why they say too low of a GPA we won't let you play it's supposed to be this reward for doing well you can also play sports if you're not doing well your primary focus should be on school but you need to have that balance I have a child who struggles with spelling and reading. Um, so she has her struggles with it. And I used to tell her to focus and sit down and pay attention and, and write out the words three times or, or whatever we were doing. Look at this note card and spell it. And she would start moving around. Her eyes would go elsewhere in the room and I'd be like, you need to focus. Focus back on this. And then one day I realized that her need is to look all around. Sometimes she even stands up and starts spinning in circles and her spelling gets better. She was struggling with a word and then she finally just stood up and started spinning in circles and then she spelled the word just fine. And sometimes she has to do a clap along. Sometimes she has to move her feet a certain way. There was something that gave her that trigger in her brain to allow her to remember the word and she has to do that thing. So my fault was that I was telling her to sit down, face forward, pencil to paper, because that's what worked for me, instead of what worked for her. And I think if we treat children as a little factory, you all do the same things, you all sit down, you all face forward, we are doing a disservice to our children. And to bring it back to sports, if sports are helping the kids in other areas of their life, we shouldn't punish them and, and take it away. Well spoken, and that's how I was actually trying to articulate my position, and I didn't do a very good job of it the first time. And that's actually what they need to do, is they need to monitor these kids. If they're in a sport and they're excelling to their level, then you keep them in the sport. If they're going the opposite direction and it's taking away too much focus and too much time and attention, then you move them in the other direction. And I thought we had school psychologists and academics at school that were actually smart enough to figure this out all on their own, not having to have a simple guy like myself talk about it on a podcast where you guys need to start focusing on these kids and quit kicking them out to the curb. Because I think if you dive into some of these people that are homeless, not only do they have drug issues and other mental issues, but I think if you traced it back, you will have some of them that were asking for help, looking there and saying, look, this sports helps me focus. It, it may not make me a 4 student, but it makes me 2.4, 2.5, 
where I was a 0.8. So I, I just hope that an academic person from Clovis Unified will listen to this podcast and say, hey, board of directors, I have a great idea. Came up with this myself while I was having a glass of tea. Yeah, education is something that when we think about, we tend to say, okay, send our children. It's the teacher's job. Train up the student. They have so many students that I don't fully like put blame or the fault doesn't lie with them. Parents, we need to participate. But we're also being having, I guess, blinders on or intentional blindfolds. I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, where we think, okay, the we'll send the teacher the kids to the teacher, the teacher will teach them and then they'll come home. Maybe we'll help with homework or tell them to have their homework time. But we get in this cycle where we are not even allowed to know what is going on in the classroom. In some cases, teachers are telling their students, don't take this home, don't tell your parents. And we see that cycle. So if you don't want to inform us, we can't then help our children. And then the experts are the teachers and the workers in Clovis, Fresno, and Central Unified because they've gone to school for it. They should understand that kids learn in all different manners, just like adults learn. We get this thing as an adult where we say like, okay, you're an adult now, just learn it. But our learning styles don't change. And we have this unreasonable expectation in adults that they will just absorb the information through an endless PowerPoint presentation. Or kids will just, I said it once to the kids, so you know what, that's enough for me. If we are not presenting the information in ways that are helpful to the children, we are also just doing a disservice. And again, I learned that with my my oldest when I was um, helping her with her spelling words. I was the hindrance in part of that. I was telling her to sit down, face forward, pencil to paper. And from public school, notifications have come home before that say your kid gets up too much, your kid wiggles too much. It's like, okay, well, maybe that is what they need to learn. And the teachers should drop some of the rigidity that they have. Absolutely. And that takes us to one of... uh my other grandkids, my oldest, who one of his teachers in elementary school realized that he was a wiggle worm and he was a very smart kid, but he just couldn't sit still. So apparently in class, she would let him lay across his desk, sit on the floor, stand up, whatever it took to get him to focus on his work, which he was able to do. And he was pretty much a straight A student from first grade on through junior high. So then the way they run kids through school kind of changed from junior high on. Then it's what Shannon said. It's that that meat locker mentality. They throw you all at a desk. You sit down, you face forward, you do it my way or the highway. And then that's when kids start going off in different directions and taking different paths along their journey. Some good, some not so good. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.